Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I am your host and your friend, Hal Elrod. And today is a fascinating conversation. In fact, it ended too short. We ran out of time. Delia McCabe, PhD. She is fascinating. So let me tell you who she is, if you're not familiar. We're talking today, by the way, about how to eat to improve brain function. In other words, what foods can you eat? When should you eat them? In what order should you eat them? to optimize your cognitive functioning. So my guest today is Delia McCabe. She has a PhD in neurobiology. She shifted her focus from conventional talk therapy after completing her master's in psychology over 25 years ago. And then she immersed herself in the fascinating world of nutritional neuroscience and later examined other lifestyle strategies that impact mental health. She offers a focused, insightful, evidence-based approach into how specific Daily choices can improve our mood, concentration, memory, and learning ability and help us build cognitive resilience in our busy, complex, and stressful world, regardless of our age. Now, Delia's knowledge about the brain's requirements for optimal well-being, combined with her enthusiasm for sharing complex science in an easy-to-understand format, and her ability to share practical and actionable steps with her audience, our audience, make her advice practical and invaluable for all of us. She's also the author of two books. First book, Feed Your Brain, Seven Steps to a Lighter, Brighter You, which explains the science behind nutrition and brain health. And her follow-up book, Feed Your Brain, The Cookbook, takes the science into your kitchen to enable the creation of delicious brain-supportive meals. Today, we talk about what's the deal with our standard diet. How does that impact our brain? What diet is best for the brain? Which dietary supplements have evidence to support their use? And so many more questions. And again, I have so many more questions for her. So I'm probably going to have her back on the podcast because we ran out of time. And I was like, God, there's so many more things I want to ask you. She's just a wealth of information. And I'm really excited for you to learn from her. Before we dive in, let me take just a couple of minutes to thank our sponsors that bring you today's show, that bring you the show every week. First and foremost is Organifi. And second is Cured Nutrition. Now, Organifi, I've been a customer of theirs for long before they were a sponsor, going on, I don't know, five, six, seven years now. And I love their organic vegan protein powder that I use in my smoothies every day. I drink their red juice combined with a little green tea in the afternoon for a little energy boost. When I'm sick, as I have been actually right now, I'm sick. I've, they don't know what's wrong. I got some weird... Anyway, it's another story. But I'm on day 14. So normally, I when I take Organifi Immunity, I'm better within like two days. But there's some sort of mysterious sickness I'm dealing with right now. But I do love their immunity product, typically, as well as their Pure, which is a lion's mane and bacopa extract supplement to help your cognitive ability. So if you want to improve your health in a fast, easy, convenient way, head over to Organifi.com forward slash Hal to see their entire line of products. It's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with all eyes, organifi.com forward slash Hal, and then use the discount code 
HAL, H-A-L, for 20% off your entire order as a listener of this podcast. And then last but not least, Cured Nutrition, very similar. I call them Organifi's cousin. They make a also high-quality, whole food-based supplements, my favorite of which is the one that puts me to bed every single night. It is in two forms, capsules and oil. I use the nighttime oil, CBN and CBD oil, which has a sedative effect to help you fall asleep and stay asleep longer. And then when I'm traveling, I take the capsules with me on the road and I use those as well. So either way, if you want to improve your sleep, this is a part of my sleep strategy that's become really invaluable. Head over to curednutrition.com forward slash Hal. That is curednutrition.com forward slash Hal. And use that same discount code H-A-L for 20% off your entire order as a loyal, dedicated listener of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Without further ado, to continue what supplements you should be taking to optimize your brain health, as well as which foods you should eat, in which order, when you should eat them, just a wealth of knowledge, Delia McCabe, PhD, on how to eat to optimize your brain. Delia McCabe, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Thank you, Hal. I'm delighted to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because I was telling you this before we started our recording in that two of my favorite subjects are food, like optimizing my diet and then optimizing my cognitive functioning, whatever that means, and then blending the two whenever I can. And the fact that you are, you have your PhD, you're an expert in neuroscience, neurobiology, and your specialty is on on how to use food to optimize your brain. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation because selfishly, I'm sure it applies to all of my audience, but selfishly, this is right up my alley. Fabulous. I love talking about this because the more people understand this, the more control they take, which is fabulous. Yeah, totally. And I, I always say that most people eat for taste and texture, right? That's how we choose the foods that we eat. We look at the menu and you go, mm, that looks good. Mm, that, right? And you're, you're making an emotional decision based on how the food is going to make you feel when you eat it. And most people, it's an afterthought. What are the consequences of this food that I'm eating, right? What are the short-term consequences in terms of my energy and my, my cognitive function? And what are the long-term consequences in terms of my health and longevity or disease and that kind of thing? So let's a little bit of your background for anyone that isn't familiar with your work. Before you got your PhD, you shifted your focus from conventional talk therapy, which my understanding that was your original, right, where you started. But after completing your master's, you shifted away from conventional talk therapy. Can you talk about your background a little bit and how you got into the work that you do now? With pleasure, Hal. I think it is important for people to understand where I came from because otherwise it seems like a weird choice because I was busy doing mm. my master's in clinical psychology and I was working with a group of really smart school kids. And some of these kids really should have been doing very well at school. They're the kind of kids that parents just, you know, throw their hands up about and teachers get beside mm. themselves about. And I looked at all the psychological variables that were underpinning their underperformance because that was the only angle I understood to use. But I had a bit of extra space on, on mm. my questionnaire and I said to them, what's your favorite food? And every single one of the children in my experimental group, that's the kids who should have been doing well but were doing poorly, all of them loved junk food. Mm -hmm. You know, the food you've just mentioned that tastes great. Mm. 
And all the kids in my experimental group, this was a problem. But my control group, the kids who were doing well, they didn't. They liked Sunday roast and, you know, roasted veggies and, and so on. And I was very interested in this because I thought, well, there's got to be a connection, but I don't know about this connection. And I was pregnant with my first child, my daughter, at that time. And this is like 25 years ago. So I'm aging myself. And I thought, look, I'll step aside a little bit, get my master's, you know, had my thesis in and just investigate this more. And as they say, you know, I took the the road less traveled and discovered that what we eat has a huge impact on brain development, brain function, mood, focus, concentration, all the things that are really important to living your best life. So other than the obvious reasons, why do we love junk food so much? Like, why would you say that we as individuals love junk food? Is it a societal thing with television commercials and, and so on and so forth? But why do we love junk food? It's a great question. And there are a few, a few factors related to this. One of the things is actually related to stress. So when we are stressed, we naturally gravitate to foods that have a quick energy release and It's not just the quick energy release and the feel-good mouthfeel we get. It's also what the body produces, which are called endogenous opioids. So these are opioids that the body makes itself, endogenous, and they get released into our bloodstream. So we have this sense of calm and peace and relaxation from that food. So it's not just the mouthfeel. It's actually this feeling that we get. The other challenge with with food is that it's one of the things that we really associate with our childhood and our memory. So if we remember eating a specific Mm. food in our childhood or when we were in a certain environment, that is a big cue to go back to that food because memory has a huge role to play in, in our desire for food. But then there's something else, and this is really quite insidious and quite sobering because the food manufacturers have spent billions of dollars, and I'm not exaggerating, billions of dollars to find out from neuroscientists how to hijack our tastes. And they know that if they give us something that's, for example, a little bit salty, it's also sweet, it's also creamy, it's also crunchy, if if they can combine all of those Mm. mouthfeel sensations at the same time, it sends a huge input of information to the brain which stimulates dopamine release. And so we are much more keen to go after that food. And then there's the last one, which is the whammy, which is basically that the the faster we can get to a food, the greater the chances are that we will become addicted to that food. So they make sure that the packages that they design around this junk food are as Mm. easy to open as possible. So those are some of the reasons, Hal. Yeah. Let's just dive right into where we're going to go anyway, which is what diet is best for the brain? I mean, I think that's the entire, for me, that's what I'm curious about to hear from you because of your expertise. And I have my ideas, but I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what diet's best for our brain. Great question. And something that a lot of people are curious about, and a lot of people believe very strongly in certain diets. So I can say from the get-go, that the diet that has been the most robustly researched with the best evidence is the Mediterranean diet. And I've got some caveats to that because of the modern food supply and the toxicity of the environment. So just to cover the bases, the reason that diet is so good for the human brain 
is because it ticks a number of very important boxes. So one of those boxes is good fats. And that's a huge discussion. My lecture on fats and oils takes three hours. So let's just tick the box of good fats in the Mediterranean Mm. diet and we can dive a little bit into that. The second thing is that it has got a lot of colorful food, lots of color. And those antioxidants are very important to keep keep the brain healthy from an antioxidant perspective and also from an anti-inflammatory perspective. The third box to tick is lots of good high-density fiber. That's the one thing. And also great uh, fiber-filled carbohydrates. So the brain's preferred fuel is carbohydrates, getting them in an unrefined form also satisfies the gut's requirements for a lot of fiber. So those are the basic factors related to why the Mediterranean diet is the best diet for the brain. So when you say carbohydrates, obviously that's like an like evil word today. Used to be fat was the evil word when I was growing up. You know, everything was low fat, reduced fat, no fat, right? And then now it's like, you know, no carbs, keto, Atkins, all of that. Did you say carb? Did I hear you correctly that you said carbohydrates are the primary source of fuel for the brain? They're the preferred source of fuel for the brain. And when I say carbohydrates, I'm not talking about crisps or bread. I'm talking about carbohydrates in the form of things like broccoli things like cauliflower. Of course, we have starch forms of carbs, which we can eat if we move a lot. And those are things like potatoes in their full form, sweet potatoes, rice. Quinoa is a carb, but it's actually not a carb. It's actually a seed, but it's got carbs in it and good protein. So we can get into you know more detail there. But when I speak about carbohydrates, I'm speaking about unrefined fresh produce. That's the first and best form. When we Mm. speak about how the brain wants to work and how it operates, it can use fat. But there's a lot of complex research underneath that. And I know that the keto guys and the paleo guys, they all follow the, you know, the brain uses fat as a fuel. It can, but it's not its preferred source of fuel for a number of reasons, primarily because it's much easier to find unrefined carbs versus good forms of fat. So the brain can use fat. But hmm. the, the carbs tick a number of boxes if they're unrefined, they're full of carb, full of fiber, and they've also got all those antioxidants in them, which is great. Okay. So talk about fats then. What What is the correlation and is it, should you be blending with, with that, the diet that's best for the brain and the Mediterranean diet? Talk about how good fats correlate with eating unrefined carbohydrates. So if unrefined carbohydrates are the preferred source of fuel for the brain, I've always been, or not always, but my understanding, and maybe it's these keto guys as you talk about, Bulletproof, Dave Asprey, my friend, that fats are the best fuel for the brain. Talk about how would you, like in, in any given day, would you start your day with some unrefined carbohydrates to get the brain into gear? Would you start it with fats, which is what I do based on my understanding? I'd love to learn about that. The first thing to know about fat in the brain is that 60% of the dry weight of the brain is made up of fat, 60%. So if we took out all the water, of what is left is fat. Now, the reason that's so important is because of the neuronal membrane and the way the brain forms connections between neurons. So that's important. Of that 60% health, between 20 and 25% needs to be made up of essential fatty acids. Essential fatty acids are fats that we Mm. cannot make ourselves. We have to get them from our diet. Mm. And about 95% of people are deficient in these fats because 
of the food supply that we now get. So we need both omega-3 and omega-6 for optimal brain function. So that's that section. Okay. When people eat an enormous amount of fat, a lot of them are focused on saturated fat, things like coconut fat, even people, you know, cacao, butter, coconut, mm. butter as well. That's plant-saturated fat. Animal forms of saturated fat are different. They've got a different biochemical makeup. Or, or structure. And so they behave differently yep. in the brain and the body versus the plant forms of saturated fat. And just to, to go back a little bit in time to give you an idea of how deeply I had to dive into fat, because when I discovered the 60 percentage of fat in the brain, I thought, oh, it'll take me a couple of weeks to figure this out and then I'll move on. And I ended up creating a chart for myself because the fat and oil story is the most complex story in nutrition, which is why it's so easy to fool people around this conversation. So I created this chart. And so the first section of the chart is saturated fat. The second one is monounsaturated fat. And the, the memory mnemonic there is simply Mediterranean because the most famous monounsaturated fat is olive oil. And most people, you know, associate olive oil with good health and so on, and it is. Avocados fall into that as well as sure. peanuts that aren't actually a nut, they're a legume, and things like pecan nuts, cashew nuts, and so on. We can make both saturated fat and monounsaturated fat in our body. Uh. We, in fact, missed that. Researchers missed that when they, you know, you were speaking about the low-fat, no-fat craze. They missed the fact that if we have too many refined carbs, those carbs get turned into saturated fat and monounsaturated fat that we carry around with us. However, mm. the polyunsaturated fats, the omega-3 and the omega-6, are fats we cannot make. We have to get them from our diet. And traditionally, mm. when people lived along the coastline of certain countries, they got enough of those fats through fish. Some people still eat fish today and think they're getting the same amount of those fats. They're not, especially if they farmed fish. And even in the wild, they're getting a whole lot of toxicity with those fats in the fish. And then those are mm. smash fish. We're talking about salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. And other fish doesn't contain the same percentages of the DHA and the EPA that people are consuming those fish for. Another myth is that we don't need any omega-6 essential fats, which is not true. Without essential fats, omega-6 variety, we battle with memory consolidation. So long-term memory is impacted with that. We battle with not dealing with inflammation optimally. Our hormones battle, our heart battle. So we need omega-6s and we need omega-3s in the right ratio. The problem with the paleo and keto diets is that most of them are getting their fats from the mono and the saturated. They're not getting enough of the essential fats. And if they're eating animal products to get the essential fats, it's like going taking a detour to get those fats. So personally, I don't eat fish anymore because I understand about the toxicity in the ocean and I understand that many of those toxins are neurodegenerative causing toxins. So I don't eat fish anymore, but I do eat a lot of other good fat. Me too. I stopped eating fish for the same reasons. Fantastic, Hal. Great decision. It was a hard decision because I know that fish is really tasty and I know that it has a lot of other benefits. But, you know, from a health perspective, we have to be realistic. And that's what I meant when I spoke about the Mediterranean diet. There are caveats with it. There's, you know, that's no longer an option if you know enough. The challenge is, of course, to get enough of the other good fats. And so we have to focus on getting unrefined, organic, very low-processed 
flax seeds, chia seeds, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds, and all of those products mm. because those contain the omega-3s and the omega-6s, which we need. However, and this is where there's a lot of a sticking point and where the fish oil manufacturers have really won the day because they've told people, oh, you can only do a conversion from the plant forms of omega-3 and 6 to the more complex forms like GLA and EPA and DHA minimally. You can't do that conversion enough, and that's actually not the truth because the research shows that we can do that conversion optimally if we have enough of the cofactors. And the cofactors are B3, B6, vitamin C, magnesium, and zinc. Those are the cofactors. But remind me about these cofactors because when we speak about stress in the brain, those cofactors also come into the discussion again. So if we've got enough of those nutrients and we have enough of the plant forms, we can happily convert. And then we convert at the rate that the body prefers. And any of the listeners or people that are watching this will know that if they've gone to see a doctor and they need surgery, one of the questions is always asked, what supplements are you on? And if you're on fish oil, you've got to stop that. And the reason for that is because it makes your blood very, very thin. Hmm. And it does that in a way because the body isn't performing that conversion itself at the rate it needs those compounds in. It's converting it. It doesn't have to convert it. It's getting it straight. So that's part of the problem as well. So we, we're touching the surface here. But the bottom line with fats and oils is that it's the molecular structure that counts. One of the things that is really important to keep in mind is the complexity of the subject, essential fats and normal fats, and one of the reasons that it's so easy for people to get fooled. So the bottom line is it's the actual biochemistry of these fats that's important to understand because the, the length of the, the molecular structure actually impacts how it functions in the body and the brain, which is why the EPA and DHA, which are the most complex fats that we've ever come into contact with, are so important in the brain because the brain needs that malleability and that flexibility. And in the same breath, we want to make sure that these fats are pristine, which is why consuming fish is a challenge because many of the toxic compounds that come with seafood today impact this delicate, very sensitive neural tissue. And unfortunately, many of those toxins are taken up into fat tissues which is the problem. So, you know, they used to be really good for us and they no longer can, can suit us because they come with toxicity. So we have to have a workaround. So I think a lot of people are confused about fats and oils. And as I said, my, my normal lecture takes three hours. So we're just skimming the surface with this one. But I think <laughs> the complexity is important for people to appreciate and respect. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm tracking here and that we can kind of summarize which fats or which foods to eat to get those fats. I heard you say chia seeds, flax seeds. Is that correct that you're recommending those? Yes. There is a supplement that I also use, and I have been using it for many, many years, actually for over 20 years when I found out the importance of these fats. And I'll share that with you if you want me to, and you can share it with your readers in the listener and viewer notes. Give it to me. I'm going to order it while you're talking. <laughs> it's a product called Udo's Oil, Udo's 369. And it is a product that was produced, developed by a person. He was actually, he actually was really, really sick from pesticide poisoning. And uh, he became a mentor of mine because of the depth of his knowledge and his expertise and his obsessiveness in creating the best product. Oh, wow. And so I've been using this for many years. And he lives in Canada, actually, and he's in a world authority on essential fats. So I've learned an enormous amount from him and I've taken from what he's taught me and then extrapolated that specifically for brain development and brain function. 
But I also say to people, consume nuts and seeds as well. And one of the, the things that I say about chia seeds is soak your chia seeds in coconut milk. And then when they're fully plumped up, put them in your smoothie because you're getting great fiber and you're also getting the omega-3s from the chia seeds when they're plumped up and they're ground up. And then you're also getting some good fat from the coconut milk. So that's one of the things that I suggest people do. And if they use flaxseed oil, it also needs to be pristine. I don't use that separately. I use it in this product because it comes ready-made. And something else just to mention help. The ratio of omega-3 and omega-6 is also important. And the mm. product takes this into account because we need and use omega-3 essential fats in all the most metabolically active organs in the body. And that is the brain, the heart, the adrenal glands, and the reproductive yeah. organs. And they are used in those organs because of their capacity to use oxygen better than the omega-6s although we still need the omega-6s. So that ratio is very important, two to one in favor of omega-3. But as I was saying about flax seeds, if you get flax seeds, grind them up. And Udo's oil, you said, has that ratio already figured out. Absolutely. And it's an organic product. It's cold pressed. It's The bottle is nitrogen flushed before the oil is added. Then, of course, the bottle is finished off with nitrogen gas before it's sealed. So it's completely oxygen free it's also put into a cardboard box and it's date stamped oh wow and it's the only product i've ever found in the world that actually tells you how much you must use per body weight which is really fantastic because most supplements people just swallow and huh. you know there's there's no body weight um, allowance so that is important flax seeds still use them grind them up though wow. put them over a, a salad and so on but don't grind them before you use them because they're also very sensitive you know light heat and oxygen so this conversation about fats and oils is very important because without them... Interesting. So so flaxseed, you, so you should not buy ground flaxseed then? No, because the moment it is ground, those precious fats in the seed are then exposed mm. to light, heat, and oxygen, so they start oxidation, and that's a challenge. So these seeds should also be bought cold, refrigerated, and that's something else that a lot of people don't consider. So you become a lot fussier when you look at fats from this perspective because you'll also never, ever eat any fat product that comes in plastic because the plastic, the chemicals, which you, you'd well know with your research, leach into fat much more quickly than sure. they leach into water. So never, ever allow any fat to touch mm. plastic. So it's a big conversation, fats and oils, hell, but it's critical in terms of, of brain function and brain development Without these essential fats, we actually can't be agile and flexible. And you know what the great thing is? When we're consuming these fats for brain function, they also work with the whole body. So, you know, when we're on our yoga mat, we don't have aches and pains. We become more flexible because now our synovial fluid has more of the right fats in it. So there are all these beautiful spin-on effects. So when people say, well, they're getting old and they're getting aches and pains, I go, no. It's just because you don't have enough of the right fats in all your tissues. So what's your recommendation? I'd love to get granular here and specific for people and for me. In terms of fats, how often are you eating them? Like Udo, for example, the Udo's oil, which I, I've taken in the past. I didn't realize it was as the quality control was as excellent as it is, as you just described. So I'm really going to get back to taking that. The When do you take it? Are you taking Udo's oil first thing in the morning? Are you taking it once a day? Are you taking it multiple times a day? I'd like, love to get specific. And then by the way, after that, I'd love to know 
what other dietary supplements have evidence to support their use? Okay, so first question about this essential fats. I have Udo's oil and other fats from my chia seeds and from crushed flax seeds and from walnuts and pecans and cashews with my breakfast, with my morning meal, which is at about 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. And I'll have fresh berries with that. I make my own granola, a grain-free one. I use buckwheat and I use quinoa flakes and so on. So I use that as well. So that's when I have my first dose of the oil. And then at my next meal of the day, I have my second dose, but then I'll also have other fats. So then I'll also have extra virgin cold pressed organic olive oil, which is another conversation because so much of the olive oil is adulterated with other compounds. So I'm very fussy about that olive oil that I use. I then I make my own pesto. So then I'll put pesto on the meal and I have some extra seeds. Maybe I'll put some hemp seeds or some sesame seeds, make a salad dressing out of tahini, very, very nutrient dense food source. It's got great magnesium in it and also the good fats from that and also sunflower seeds. And then I have that generally with a whole lot of vegetables. And most of those vegetables are raw. I'll roast sweet potato or I'll roast some butternut with spices in the oven, but dry roast, no oil with that. When it comes out, I add the oil and then I have that as a meal. And then I normally have a smaller meal towards the end of the day. And that normally is just fruit. And I don't have any Udo's oil then because it's actually quite stimulating. It gives you energy. So I don't want to have that as I go to sleep. So that's basically what my day looks like in terms of oil intake. Now, so, and this is a whole nother topic, but are you, from what you described, it sounds like you're vegan. Is there, do you not eat meat? No, I'm not a complete vegan. I'm very fussy about eating red meat. That's what I choose to eat. I don't choose to eat chicken and I'm battling actually uh, to find good sources of red meat because I wanted to be pasture fed and pasture killed, if that's the right way of saying that. I'm still battling because in America, the classification is different health. So in Australia, it was really easy to find 100% organic grass-fed pasture-raised meat. But yeah, they've got different ways of of checking that. And I had a whole conversation with a guy at at Whole Foods a couple of weeks ago around this issue. So, you know, you want it to be grass-finished and you want it to be 100% pasture-fed and so on. And that's what I look for. I don't eat that often though. Maybe once a week, I'll have that. And so that I'm really fussy about that. So I do eat a lot of grains. And so quinoa is one of my staples. I will eat lentils, which are fantastically nutrient dense. I'll eat a lot of beans as well. And I combine them so that I have, you know, full protein source. But I think one of the things that people that are kind of obsessed about protein, which is basically the paleo brigade, um, firstly, it's an evolutionary oversimplification to think that paleo is best for us. And that's another another Mm. conversation. I've actually got a blog post about 10 reasons why paleo isn't the answer that most people think it is, although it does have many, many benefits, primarily a focus away from processed food, which I really honor and agree with. But in terms of having to eat meat all the time, this is not necessarily the best thing for the human body. And we do get protein from a number of different sources and the body is smart enough to combine the different amino acids that are strong in some and, and, you know, weaker in others together to give us robust health. And we know this from population studies where people haven't eaten vast quantities of meat. So I think we can kind of like put that to bed, although I know that it is a contentious issue. I actually wrote two blog posts on this exact topic. What is the best diet for brain? And I brought in research about paleo and keto and intermittent fasting and so on. But to go back to what you asked me about before about dietary supplements, 
Before I started my PhD, I had a whole lot of dietary supplements that I really thought were doing me good. And when I did my PhD, I was quite shocked to find that there isn't a lot of evidence Mm. to support a lot of the products that are sold. And a lot of the products are sold on a premise that we know X does Y in the body. Therefore, supplementing with X will support Y in the body. And that is a a marketing jump that a Mm. lot of companies take and use. And I, I wrote an editorial on that about, and I called it marketing hope and hype because that is a bit of a problem. So we need to get away from that. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that we know that magnesium is a very important product, important nutrient, and in the right form, it can do us a lot of good. We also know that zinc is important. We also Mm. know that iron is critical for both brain development and function. We know that, for example, vitamin D is important. Vitamin C has a huge role to play in our body. In fact, in our brain and our adrenal glands, we've got 17 times more vitamin C than in any other tissues in the body. So we know it's critically important as a nutrient, particularly when we're stressed. And, you know, we may get to that if we have time. So those are some of the nutrients that we know in supplement form we definitely do need. There are others that there's anecdotal evidence and there are things like, you know, people supplement with garlic. I know that you did that and I know you probably still do. And that's fabulous because that's a product that comes in a natural form and it's just concentrated in a product. But a lot of the other products that people take, you know, bodybuilders take a whole lot of products we don't have enough evidence yet to show that they really are doing a benefit and they could be doing harm, you know, overloading the kidneys and the liver because the liver has got to process all these things. So I think circumspection is really important and you have to look at the evidence. And as I said, it was a huge project for me to do that. Take all this diet, the dietary supplements that the people in my, my groups were using and then dissect each of it. Hell, it was an enormous task because I had to look at all the actual active ingredients. And then I had to look at, what came with the product. So I became like a like this private investigator. When I look at a supplement today, I use all of those skills that I learned, you know, because the form of the supplement is critically important, as important as what's actually in it. Yeah. Well, so a few things that came up for me. One is you mentioned some of your blog posts. I want to let everybody know you can go to lighterbrighteryou.life, right? That's your website. So is that where your blog posts are, I'm assuming? That's right, hell, that's where they are. Okay. And then I also need to connect you with where I get our cow from, our meat from. So my wife and I buy an entire cow at a time. We've been out to the ranch where these animals are pasture raised. They are grass fed and grass finished. And so it's also interesting rather than you think about if you you buy meat from the store, every steak you buy is from a different cow, right? And so it is interesting versus where you buy one cow and it feeds the family for roughly an entire year and you know where it came from, you know how it was raised, you literally know the person that raised the animal. So yeah, make sure, send me a message offline after we're done and I'll get the contact info for you for that, that person. Thank you. And the other piece was around supplements. I wanted to ask, when I got cancer, I was taking 70 supplements a day on average and most supplement companies, like most food companies, are in it for a profit and not actually for the health of the user. And so most supplement companies, they use all sorts of unhealthy fillers and binders and preservatives and who knows what else. Not to mention the actual 
and this is my question for you around this, the source of the actual vitamin or mineral that you're getting, for example, and this is the one I usually use, vitamin C. You can either get vitamin C from ascorbic acid, which is chemically altered and made in a lab and often used with, I believe it's ammonia that they use to break down that ascorbic acid into a consumable form, or you can get vitamin C that is made from whole food, organic plants and vegetables such as acerola cherries or camu camu, these other high vitamin C foods. So I wanted to ask, and also the magnesium that you mentioned, I wanted to ask if you had any, like for magnesium and vitamin C, if you have any specific companies that you recommend, and I have the ones that I've vetted out and used myself, but I wondered if you had any that you recommend for magnesium, vitamin C, and any other supplements. Great question, Hal, and great comments, yes. Part of the problem is that these supplements get made in laboratories, and some of them we can't get away away from, and I'll mention that in a moment. But as far as vitamin C goes, I've actually got some great products, but I get them from Australia because I haven't yet found any here. So I would appreciate you telling me about them, uh, the ones that mm. you use, because yes, acerola cherry and the kamu kamu is very important and they're full of vitamin C. And so they also come with the bioflavonoids. They come with the other components that allow us to absorb and actually use vitamin C optimally. So that's critically important. As far as magnesium goes, it's a little bit harder with magnesium because we can eat foods that are full of magnesium. Green leafy veg are very high in magnesium. You know, as I mentioned, tahini is high in magnesium, but getting it in the concentrated form that we need because of the amount of stress most people are under and because of our needing it for detoxification purposes is harder. So I'm still finding my way through the magnesium story. In Australia, I had my supplier there and I'm still getting that and I'm trying some different mm. products here. The magnesium that I'm really interested in, one is the glycinate because that's got some good evidence behind it. The other one is L-threonate, but they are both made in a laboratory. It's not possible to isolate them and eat them to get them separately in a food. Yeah. So the form is important. And I say to people, if you can find a supplement in liquid form is best, obviously knowing what else is in the liquid. The second form is powder form. That's best because then you don't have anything else. There shouldn't be any fillers. Got it. That's great. Yeah. So I'll tell you, one of my favorite companies for supplements is Pure Synergy. And you can get them on Amazon. I try to avoid Amazon if I can and go directly to the company. So I, it's the synergycompany.com. But they're vitamin C made from acerola cherries and all of that. But I'll give you... Where I get the magnesium, I actually use their product called Bone Renewal. And I'm looking at it right now. So it has vitamin D3, 250% of your daily value, made from organic vegan algae complex. It has calcium, 65% of your daily value, from organic Icelandic red algae. It has magnesium, 100% of your daily value, from Dead Sea Mineral Concentrate chelated with brown rice. And then if you go down, you can read all of the ingredients and it tells you where they are all from. So that, yeah, Pure Synergy, if you want to check them out, that's become one of my favorite go-to companies. And then they use vegan cellulose capsules, certified organic tapioca, certified organic, organic acacia fiber, certified organic MCT oil for their delivery, no GMOs, no dairy, no gluten, on and on and on. So yeah, that's become, I don't know that any company's perfect, but that they seem to have the highest standards and always come from whole food sources 
whenever possible. So yeah, Pure Synergy is my favorite brand for everybody listening. And, and Delia, if that is at all helpful uh, as a resource for you as well. Thank you, Hal. I really appreciate that. I've written that down. I've done some continent hopping in my life, originally from South Africa, then moved to Australia, and now in America. So I've had to figure out in each continent where I'm going to find what I need. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you. You're welcome. We haven't even discussed the nutritional cost of stress, but I see that we we at the top of the hour. So maybe we'll have to leave that for another time. We'll have to do that for next time, but you're, I'm fascinated. You're, you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Like you said, you could talk on fats for three hours alone. So where is the best, you know, again, being that you're a wealth of knowledge and your website, I was browsing through all of your articles and blogs and extra resources on there, not to mention your two books that you've written. Where is the best place for people to find you and follow you? It's a good question. I've actually been more focused on knowledge acquisition than building a following. And I, I think I need to change that because my focus is moved from you know my children now. And the best place probably, I do a lot of interaction on LinkedIn so people can find me there. I'm a little bit on Instagram. I basically use Instagram as a place to store my memories and the things that work for me. So people can happily follow along with what I'm busy doing there. When I mention products and I mention foods and so on, I'm not very active on Facebook, hell. And I, I haven't been as good with blog posting as I should be. I've had a problem with my mail server. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Well, there is a lot of articles already on your website. So for anybody listening, go to Lighter Brighter U, L-I-G-H-T-E-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, Lighter Brighter U dot life. So not dot com, but dot life. Lighter Brighter U dot life. And then check out Delia's books. Her first book, Feed Your Brain, Seven Steps to a Lighter Brighter You. And Delia's second book is Feed Your Brain, The Cookbook that obviously breaks down what recipes you can make to indeed feed your brain. Where Delia, it is really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your heart with the audience today. Thank you, Hal. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for your help. You helping me too. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm glad it's mutual. Well, Goal Achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please feed your brain what it wants and what it needs to function optimally. Because in my opinion, you deserve nothing less. Your family deserves nothing less. And I think that for all of us, rather than just making dietary decisions on what we eat based on the food, the taste, the texture, make it based on the consequences and the benefits that are available when you follow what Delia talked about today and eat a diet that indeed feeds your brain. All right, Goal Achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, I love you, I appreciate you, and I will talk to you all very soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 